I've gotten away from oral storytelling. And you know, oral storytelling is really, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual connection to history and what we came through. And you know, when you have passed down these stories down the line orally, you know, it's a memorization of what has previously occurred and also something to also pass on throughout future generations. When we believe that it is the other who are going to do it, it will never be done. It means that we are living, uh, we, are, we are going to be living at the mercy of other people. But what if they don't pick the call? Now, we want to live at the mercy of the people, hoping that they will help us. What if they don't help us? What are we going to do? You know, we are more than just what we see around us uh, currently. Um, and, I, and I also think as well, there needs to be more stories, more positive uh, conversations about, you know, our black history, you know, in terms of our creations, our writings. content creators. In Obehit Podcast, we talk about the power of your story, your narrative, and why you should own your voice. Whether you are a small business owner, a content entrepreneur, or you simply want to build your influence, storytelling is probably going to be your best instrument to connect with your audience. So join the awakened few who are owning their voices. And let's get started with today's episode. Welcome all of you again for joining us. Uh, so the topic that we have today for conversation uh, is the importance of storytelling for the African diaspora. Uh, that in itself should already explain, uh, should already say a lot. Uh, and of course, uh, we are going to uh, we are going to be uh, doing it in the form of Q and A section, where I'm going to be asking questions to my two guests here, uh, who have offered to to share with us uh, their perspective about storytelling. Thank you so much indeed, Obey, for the opportunity to uh, share this uh, uh, forum with you today to have this uh, most important discussion. Um, and uh, hello to everyone that's uh, kindly listening in this afternoon. Uh, my name is uh, Shara Lewis Campbell, and I am the co-founder of Beauty and the Beast Publishing, which is, a, I'm very proudly to say, actually, it's an international uh, book publishing and media services company. All oh, right. Thank you so much for that. Now it's time for Andrew. Andrew, could you please say something about yourself before we move to the Q&A session? Um, greetings to everyone. And I'm Andrew Foster, and I'm also co-founder of Beauty and the Beast Publishing and also co-founder of The Shift, which is a nonprofit organization. And we're also a Black-owned business and publishers. Now the tea is set. We are on the table. Let's have fun. Let's discuss. The first question I have for uh, for you today, I think I will beg uh, uh, Shara to to respond. Is uh, okay. I just want to tackle the the topic of the day, which is uh, the importance of storytelling. So the question, therefore, is what is the importance of storytelling for the African diaspora community? What do you have to say about that, Shara? Um, I think for, first and foremost, it's a really, really important question. And I think that there are several answers. Um, I, I think probably the most important to me um, is that um, just looking around, we can see that uh, with the upcoming, the younger generations and, uh, you know, we're probably even, I would say, go as far as to say that we're probably some of the last in our generations that are passing on the intergenerational information of our ancestors you know that have come from the african diaspora and it's so important that these messages are not lost you know and that these voices still remain within the gen throughout our generations you know um, of the the black demographic um, and it's important that we're telling this story rather than it's being told on our behalf um, and just so that we can keep the truth within these stories and also just ensure that that important information is still present you know, for, for our communities. 
All right. Thank you so much for that. So it is important. It's a kind of an, an obligation that we tell this story because uh, anyway, there are some of the things that I really find very interesting about storytelling itself. Is that when you tell your story, I'm not saying you are telling story of other people. Now, when you tell your story, you sort of give other people the, the impetus to tell their own story too. Therefore, you are helping people just by telling your story. Now, let me share something with you before I move to Andrew, who is also going to respond to a similar question like I just asked uh, uh, Sharon. Um, in 2010, I published a book that I titled uh, Underdevelopment in Africa, My Hands Are Clean. It was a research about uh, African political situation, looking at uh, Pan-Africanism, looking at all we have gone through in, in, the, in the hands of European, of course, in our own hands too. And then I was sort of asking, okay, Africans, are we innocent of what is happening to us? For example, you could simply take a look at what is happening today uh, in the build up to what can possibly be war in Niger. Or maybe it's not going to happen, but we are actually in a, in a, a the war is looming. Uh, what Are we having a role to play there? Can we be honestly saying that we don't have any role to play in what is happening? Anyway, so this was my thesis in the book, uh, 2010. When I was public, when I was presenting the book, uh, one girl uh, told me that, ah, she is going to be a writer. Then I was curious, then I asked her, why do you want to be a writer? She said, because I am a writer. So because she see that I am a writer and I am like her, she believed that she can also do it. That is just what I want to point out there, that like Shara was saying, that it is important that we tell our story it is even more important that we encourage, we inspire other people to tell their story. It is fundamental. Because now, imagine that you do not tell your story. You also make other people believe that they cannot tell their story. And this is not good enough. So if we believe that we, say, we, we, we have anything to say, please say it. Own your voice. By so doing, you are empowering other people to also own their own voice. All right, I want to pass the question back again to Andrew. So, Andrew, what would you say is the relevant, from your own point of view, of telling story or maybe storytelling in the African diaspora community? Thank you. I would say storytelling is very, very important. And one thing I realized throughout the time, and we all realized from, you know, African and African descendants, we have gotten away from oral storytelling. And you know, oral storytelling is really, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual connection to history and what we came through. And you know, when you have passed down these stories down the line orally, you know, it's a memorization of what has previously occurred and also something to also pass on throughout future generations. But at the same time, we because we gotten away from that we have other cultures that are telling our stories and narrating our stories to the point of to the point where we really don't even realize who we are based on identity and as the to add along with that when it comes to the writing part of it and i believe you know the reason for the writing side of it is because of the or storytelling it always get lost in some kind of way or may get manipulated in ways where it's not describing us as and or identifying us as a people of true people that are who we are instead it identify us as the lesser or may identify us as um people who are not of value or whatnot and it's also for them to understand the connection. It's also for them to understand the connection between us as descendants and also the importance of us and what we stand in this world. Thank you so much for that, Andrew. Uh, all right, I just want to apologize. I said two people raised their hand. They wanted to uh, come to the room to speak. I was trying to pull you in. There was a kind of a technical issue there. So I sort of uh, uh, refreshed my, my screen so I would be able to pull you in. So, yeah, if you want to speak, please uh, come on stage. Raise your hands again. Let me see if I will be able to pull you in now because we really uh, uh, would like to hear also what you have to say regarding the conversation that we have today. Now, talking of oral, oral storytelling, which I think uh, I'd really hit on there, uh, I find it to be very important. Uh, it is something that is uh, uh, sacrosanct in our culture. I remember, for example, um, in 2015, I wrote a book that I titled Amended the Stream Water. 
Uh, this book is about uh, oral, oral storytelling, which is um, uh, the use of um, the, the use of mouth to tell story, which is the way that we have passed that way our story have been passed down for several generations, at least not in other not in all part of Africa, but in my part of Africa, that is how it was. So I was saying at the point in this book that the storyteller, the, whose name is Oko Uje, every evening he gathered the children together and he tell them story. But what story is he telling them? He's telling them the story of their origin, of how their village started, where their people came from, of course, coming from the ancient city of Benin, and the war they have fought, how they have lived, who are their friends, who are their enemies. Then at the point I was saying that historically speaking, Okobuji have told these children everything that they needed to, to tell them. But every evening, they always go there, they always listen to the story under the tree in, in front of his house with a fire burning. What is it about that he's doing? I don't want to, I just want to leave it there to say that there is something fundamentally important about the telling of our story. Of course, we can even use oral narration. We cannot underestimate that. All right, I want to say again that I'm still having difficulty pull you, pull, pulling you in. I will try to find out why. Uh, I, I see Gloria there that you are trying to come in, so sorry about that. All right, now I have another question. Uh, I think I, I will ask um, uh, um, Shara for that. Uh, how to gain insight into the significance of storytelling uh, in preserving cultural identity and heritage among African diaspora. How can storytelling help us to do this? Uh, I think this is a really, really important question again, um, actually, Obe, and thank you very much for asking it. I think we need to really have, look around us, you know, there is no more important time than to be telling our story than now. You know, we see how things, how we are depicted in the media, on social media, etc. Um, and a lot of those uh, images and uh, stories are actually appearing in videos, music videos, etc. you know, uh, on, on that uh, sort of uh, take of things, you know. And I think that every black person every african has an obligation and a duty actually uh, to be delivering uh, a message about our cultural ancestry you know um and that's something that we that needs to be really uh, uh more we need to see more of those sort of depictions um as i said there's no greater time for us to do that you know we're uh, and especially for our upcoming generations as well to inspire and give hope you know, we are more than just what we see around us uh, currently. Um, and, I, and I also think as well, there needs to be more stories, more positive uh, conversations about, you know, our black history, you know, in terms of our creations, our writings, you know, um, and also uh, as well to do with our inventors, you know, our inventions that we've made, you know, I mean, you know, the, the world are, are yet to see that. And, um, you know, again, our stories are being told by others. And a lot of those stories that are being told um, are simply not true. Um, and therefore the essence of them is being lost. And um, in, in, in some communications are even being told by other people that have gone to visit certain parts of Africa and are now claiming those terms as their own. And we really need to change that. Thank you so much for that. That, that is really uh, important, really fundamental. And this is actually why we need to continue to tell our story because it is even said uh, uh, in some African uh, adage that uh, when um, the hunter is the one that is telling the story, the elephant will always be guilty, or oh, sorry, the antelope will always be guilty all the time, which means that storytelling is a very powerful element. And of course, it is a double-edged sword. Now, let me paint a small picture for you guys. But before that, I want to again apologize. I'm not able to pull anybody in. I don't know why it's a technical issue. I don't know why it is like that. Usually, it is not like that. Maybe it's my computer. I don't know. So I really apologize for that. Now, what I wanted to share there before I move to another question is uh, I want us to pay attention to what happened in Germany. Now, in Germany, before the start of the Second World War, you realized, or you will understand by just merely thinking, that the people that will later become enemy, that the Nazis will later paint as enemy in Germany, were living with every other person. They were marrying, having fun, going to work. They were doing everything. No, there was no problem. 
until the, the Nazi Germany managed to paint an image of enemy that the Jews were enemy to the German. Then what happened after that? You all know the story. You all know the story. That is the power of storytelling. What about the story of Africans who have become victims in the name of slavery? Do you know that a lot of story have been created to justify that? Because without the story about it that justify the inferiority of the African people, the fact that the Africans do not have soul, the fact that Africans are not capable of suffering, the fact that they could be treated worse than animals, there were stories behind it that helped them to justify it. They invented this story. And because they repeated this story among themselves, they see what they were doing to the African people as normal. Because after all, it is... Okay, now, I want you to pay attention to something very important. The other day, I was interviewing a Canadian uh, visual artist who have worked in big budget film like the like of Transformer, uh, the Jurassic Park, and the rest of it. I want you to pay attention to something. How storytelling is very powerful. Have you ever gone to the cinema and watch a film? And maybe you cry. But deep inside your mind, you know that you just cry for nothing. In that what you were crying for was actually invented. Maybe you see the alien coming to take over the world. They are marching on the street of New York in London. They have come, they have come, everybody is dying. You see, uh, maybe uh, the ocean expanding and is consuming every people. Then there is a story around it that is saying, ah, okay, somebody is going to sacrifice his or herself to save humanity. That is a story. You think it have happened, but it didn't really happen like that. Because it, it, somehow your, your heart stringed have been touched, the tears will be running down your eyes. That is how powerful story is. That is why it is used in everywhere. Because when you can touch the human mind, you neutralize his or her resistance, then you can penetrate. So storytelling is something that we all must learn how to leverage for whatever at all that we do. If what we are doing have to do with the dealing of human beings. All right, I have another question. Um, I think I would like to lean back to what Andrew was saying before, the oral storytelling. And that will lead me to a kind of um, the environment, the condition, the situation that will encourage storytelling. Andrew, what would you like to say about that? What kind of condition and situation do we need so that we can tell our story more, we can share more of our story to make sure that our experience is not lost? Let me understand that. In this day and time, we all, we all see AI and um, artificial intelligence is taking over. And one of the things that we come across as publishers is the question being posed, do you think the publishing business will be um, taken over by artificial intelligence? And one thing about it is what people have to remember, and it goes back to what you were saying, how the Nazis painted the image of their enemy and how they utilize that in terms to do what they need to do. AI is being treated of, of a mind of elites. So what I'm saying by that is, when you create something, you, ask, you have to ask yourself, who is the creator and who and what kind of mind are they using this creation for? So one thing I've found out about AI is, yes, it can be utilized in many different ways and it can be good, but it's being abused. But one thing it cannot do, it cannot mimic nor copy our struggles because the struggles are not incorporated in AI for a person to struggle. It's incorporated into the children that are coming up to be more so of elitist in the upcoming society. And one thing about our situation right now, and from every African and every African descendant around the world, this is our time to sit down and tell our stories in a way where nobody else can mimic nor take away from us. Because right now, everybody is 
technology this, technology that, and everybody is basically trying to get on board with this elitist mindset. But we have our own mindset based upon our struggles. And the way we tell our stories to the world is this is the very time to do that because nobody else can mimic nor copy what we have been through. Thank you for that. Uh, my, I have a curiosity. Uh, is there anything oh, before them? I want to apologize again. I can see uh, Milid, you were trying to join. Uh, I don't know what happened today. <laughs> the technology just doesn't work in our favor today. But what I would do is that uh, this room will be proposed again on another occasion because I see a lot of people really wanting to talk. Uh, but unfortunately, technology is not, is not helping us to do what we what, what you really plan to. Would I like to see all of you talking? But of course, we'll come back again on another occasion to, to extend this conversation. All right. So what I wanted to ask, uh, uh, maybe you can respond, uh, Shara, or maybe uh, Andrew, whichever one of you prefer, uh, is that uh, are there a, a condition that are sort of uh, not allowing us to be able to tell our story? The reason I'm asking this is that so that if we know that it's something that we need to overcome, we can overcome it for the purpose of expanding our story. If we could say that there are things that are situation or uh, conditions that are not allowing us to tell our story more, what are these conditions? What are these uh, situations that might be inhibiting us from telling our story? What do you have to say about that? Well, thank you very much for the question uh, again, uh, Obey. I think, from my perspective, I think that our largest issue is unity. We just don't know how to come together. You know, we are all responsible. You know, we all have the same duty and we have to ask ourselves, how are we showing up, you know, in delivering this message that is so important for the generations that will follow after us? You know, the messages are being left with us. You know, the, our ancestors are, have left or are moving on. You know, we are the ones that still hold this information. And if we don't do something about it and pass it on, it's actually going to be quite detrimental for uh, our diaspora. So we need to all ask ourselves, what are we doing personally to come together um, as a unity? And to be honest, um, this should be our first priority. That's what I'd like to add. All right, that's interesting. That, that's very interesting. And that is also very valid as a point that we need to, we need to hold ourselves accountable. I, I like that, I like that. We need to hold ourselves accountable. I, I like that, uh, that challenge of responsibility. Because when we believe that it is the other who are going to do it, it will never be done. It means that we are living, uh, we, are, we are going to be living at the mercy of other people. But what if they don't pick the call? Now, we want to live at the mercy of the people, hoping that they will help us. What if they don't help us? What are we going to do? <laughs> so I believe that when we take up the challenge that if it's going where is because of me, then you are going to do everything you can all the time, any day. Because you know that if you face, it's because you fail. I, I think we need to make that uh, message go home because it is so powerful. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Now, uh, I have another question, which is um, how to shape our resilience uh, in the African diaspora community. Because you will know as much as I do that we do have a peculiar problem in the diaspora community. We do have challenges uh, in our various community. Before I was saying that this story, uh, this uh, five-part book series is coming from a research that I did here in Italy, in Northern Italy, from 2013 to 2018. Uh, what I actually did was I collected a lot of stories from different people trying to understand why did you come here? Because I meet people that have been here for like 40 years, 35 years, uh, they are still here. And of course, I am like them. I am like them in every, in, in many respects. Uh, I'm trying to study them, but I'm actually studying myself. What I come to understand is that there are challenges that are, we are facing. Some of them are very peculiar. Even if you uh, transport that community in Northern Italy to maybe uh, in UK or in United States or in Canada, how I managed to understand this is that in, 20, uh, 20, in 2020, yeah, uh, that is uh, three years ago at the at the break of COVID, uh, where everybody was at home. That was actually when this podcast was born. Because the research that I was doing then in Italy, I expanded it open. I started to talk to people from different parts of the world, particularly the African diaspora community. 
And what I found is that all of us are suffering from the same thing, which means we must look for a way to be able to resolve the problem of sharpening our identity. Who are we in the midst of these people where we find ourselves today? How do we shape our identity to make sure that we can have our name? It is important. It is absolutely important. So the question, therefore, is how do we use storytelling to shape our resilience in the African diaspora community so that generation after us can have something to leverage for their own good? What do you have to say about that? I think that should be for uh, Andrew Foster. Thank you, uh, Obey. I would say we have to me measure the narratives that has been came against us. You know, here in the United States, um, we have a we have a lot of situations where the narratives that has been created for the blacks in this country is based upon um, either violence, um, being lazy, or just just our existence just being n nothing pretty much. And you know, when you have those kind of narratives of being shaped upon us, it is a need for cultural liberation. And because, you know, culture is what you do and what you also what you believe. And in this country, it's a bigger need for cultural liberation and also throughout the world too as well. Because at the same time, I would say, when we continue to indulge in those narratives that have been put on, upon us, we're just as guilty as the guilty party. But so we have to find a way to shift that in a way of telling our stories in a way where people can better understand that we exist upon this world as a people who have a great history. And it goes back to also to the oral storytelling as well that you spoke about and I spoke about earlier. And the shift has to be like Shara said, it has to be unified. It just can't be a me and you situation or and also it cannot be a situation where I have to go to another culture to say, hey, look, this is my story and this is my narrative. How can we how can we get my story out there? And then they'll turn around and shift our narrative to be something else. You know, so I would say cultural liberation is very needed to unify upon the African diaspora front. Thank you so much for that, Andrew. Um, uh, Shara, uh, because we are talking of the community and you are coming from a publishing background, you have a publishing company. Is there any way uh, books and maybe in your field, your industry, where you are working in can uh, play a pivotal role? In promoting storytelling in the diaspora community, and please share with us any any case study or uh, any experience that you want to share with us in that line. Oh, most definitely. Um, the whole purpose of Beauty and the Beast Publishing was created on very much on that pretext. So, um, at the time when we decided to come together to set up um, this uh, business. We purely wanted to do it um, on a basis that it would really promote and specializing um, publishing the voices of those that came from underrepresented backgrounds. Um, so we have worked with hundreds of authors and brought them into the industry um, where they probably would be overlooked um, by the traditional publishers, um, as we've known. Um, so, you know, we're able to share those stories, thankfully. And even more so um, on the back of that, we've also taken the work that we do there and have also done it as part of our nonprofit uh, organization, The Shift, as uh, Andrew mentioned earlier. Um, and we're able to sort of do some great work there and being able to give back uh, to those communities as well um, in order for those authors to be able to use their books and not just have them as books that are just based on the shelf, but they're also going to be able to tell our stories, you know, those important stories, share their experiences within their local communities. And not only that, but be able to use those, utilize those books as well um, into creating businesses and, be, and creating legacy for themselves their families and their communities. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. I, I don't know if you want to. I, I still want to uh, ask you another thing before I move to uh, Foster. Of course, it, it would have been good that more people that that are raising their hand they were able to come in, but unfortunately, I, I keep on apologizing for that. I don't know why. Usually, it never happens to us here, so I don't know that it's always first time for everything. Uh, yeah, so sorry for that. For guys who wanted to come up, uh, that will be for another time. All right, now Sharon, um, what do you say about the really culture? In the diaspora community because that is what we are focusing on because books are powerful i want to repeat that again books are powerful you see a couple of years ago when i started to sort of improve myself i read books like um, think and grow rich uh, the science of getting rich uh, by water wallace these are books that were written many many years ago and uh, until date they are still in the they are still in circulation people are still finding value in it so I believe that in the diaspora community, we must look for a way to promote the culture of reading. Because it is when you know that you can help yourself. If you don't know, and you don't know that you don't know, I don't know how you are going to be able to help yourself. Because you would think that everything is okay. But it is not okay. That we are in this situation is not okay for us. But we first of all need to know where we are. So that is where I'm sort of um, reaffirming this question. How do you see reading culture in the diaspora community? Because you are a publisher, and I think that should concern you. Most definitely. I mean, you know, uh, these days, um, especially within the young, younger generations, um, we see lots of uh, writers, but not so many from our, you know, communities. And again, as I mentioned before, you know, um, by not having that understanding about our ancestral history and by those messages not being passed on, you know, we're kind of losing, you know, that inspiration um, and that hope is being lost, you know, that p- where people are not really sharing about their experiences and so on. So we really do need to, again, have a change of mindset, you know, where we're coming together and that the, the main focus is on sharing our stories, you know, within the, the African diaspora and sharing those um, with our younger generation so that they can go on to promote those messages you know, um, when we are no longer here to do the, to do so ourselves, you know, that work has to be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is why we're here. <laughs> this is why we're here. All right, Andrew, I want to go back to what you were saying before, uh, talking of technology, look, looking at AI. Uh, now, uh, because we are talking about storytelling, um, how do you look at, or how do you see the possibility of us able to use that AI, that technology in our favor in terms of storytelling. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> okay, Obey. To be honest with you, I'll be the first to say that I'm against it to a degree. Um, and, and I'm gonna tell you for why. I'm, I'm against it because it produces, to, in my opinion, it produces laziness. It's nothing like you know, being able to put pen to paper and write down, write down your stories. But when you have technology the way it is, it, it, it makes it where you are complacent. But at the same time, I look at it as being, okay, if you want to use technology in terms of outlining certain things and coming up with ideas and you can generate some ideas and you might make it get stuck then i can see it can be utilized for that just for that part but in terms of just using it wholeheartedly and trying to be the first priority in what you're trying to do i personally don't believe in that but at this but if we can if we can find a way as a as as a people to get away from the 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 use of trying to be part of a narrative that has nothing to do with us we have to find a way to utilize technology to help us as a people more so and you know and and for example the one thing that you mentioned about the jews earlier the one thing that i um, credit the Jews on when they have got sent when they sent to the when they were sent to the ghettos, they were sent and they utilized their resources and they also 
never lost their spirituality. As though as me being uh, African-American, where I, my culture was stripped from me, and really I have no culture, to be honest with you, and by proxy, I have nothing to utilize. And so I think technology for us, we have to utilize it for us. It's not as on an individual basis, but also for us to become unified and to do use technology to help us progress, not to digress. Thank you so much for that. I, I really like that conversation. I'm going to throw in another question there. Then this time I will be uh, pulling the legs of uh, Shara. So you will say something about that. I, I'm coming, but I just want to make a kind of an analogy. Um, I don't know if technology is already uh, something that that we really... Uh, okay, how do, I, how do I frame it now? All right. I'm looking at technology like as a tool. Therefore, I'm thinking that we must look for a way to use it for our own good. Uh, okay, another way to look at it is that I'm looking at technology like the forces of nature, like the river, like um, the sunshine, like, um, you know, these forces of nature, or even like the invisible forces, like the law of gravity. I think these things are there for us to use. And if we don't use it, it is our fault. Because whether or not we use it, it's going to act or not anyway. Okay, now let me make this kind of a simple example. This recording that I'm doing now, I'm going to uh, repost it as an episode in a podcast, uh, for example. Uh, like in most of my recording, there are going to be glitches sometime. I will need to clean it up. Then I will put it into my editing program. I will just click a button. It's going to remove all the background noise inside. That is technology. Now, I could say, well, I will not do that. I want to do everything manually. Of course, I can still do it manually, but that is going to take me forever to do it. Now, you see, the people who build the pyramid of Egypt, I think they have developed a certain technology for them to be able to do it and do it perfectly. What is technology there for? Is the use of knowledge or tools to do your work more efficiently and better. I think actually the right word for it would be leverage. So that you don't use all your strength to do everything. Because we as, as species, we are coming from a very far distance. Where we are coming from is very far. At one time, we were doing everything manually. Because we didn't have any possibility, but then we begin to learn how to use the forces of nature like the river to transform it into electricity so that it can power the city. So what I think, that is just me talking on, because here in my podcast, and of course also in this room, we are free to share our, our point of view. Uh, nobody uh, is not uh, allowed. We are all free to be able to share our view so that we can learn. So I think that we need to use everything that is available to our own good. So drag it to an, another political level again. Kwame Krumah was saying that the Europeans did come to Africa with a lot of trickish idea for them to be able to exploit us. And of course, they have been able to invent a lot of things too. And he said, we are not going to reject everything of the European origin. We are going to take what we like from them and use it for our own good. If somebody has invented something, because that person is not part of what doesn't necessarily mean that we cannot use it. If we can use it, we take it and use it. The Greek went to study in Egypt and then went back to, to, to Greek. And the Europeans or the West look at it as the father of their civilization. But what they didn't say is that the Greek were students in Africa, which means that knowledge is neutral. Knowledge doesn't belong to just one person or one group of people. It belongs to whoever is able to use this. Coming back to technology, coming back to AI, uh, Shara, I put the question to you like this. What is your take on the use of technology to better our telling of our story as a people in the African diaspora. 
Your take. I think my, my take is uh, very similar to Andrew's, if I'm very honest with you. Um, I feel like, you know, just like he says, I totally agree. You know, AI is the way that it's... Um, that it is currently, it isn't really to enhance our stories. It can be used to colonize our stories, you know, like we've seen in other parts of our history uh, telling. And I think we just need to be very mindful as to how we are using it. If you just look at the sort of everyday world of publishing at the moment, um, you've got the way that the, 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 the writing industry is at present is that you've got many people that are telling genuine stories and these are often being overlooked for best-selling stories that are carbon copies of authors we've already seen. Uh, they're not done exp uh, very well. Um, and, and yet we are seeing sort of more depictions of AI stories where, you know, people are so desperate to become bestsellers or, um, you know, um, renowned for their writing, you know, that they're relying heavily more so on AI to do that work for them. That is not a genuine way of writing. I'm not saying that you can't use it to kind of enhance some information or a concept that you may already have but you know just taking it another step further we've seen it in um other sort of areas of our culture you know um in terms of like our afrocentric uh, centricity you know we look at our music you know in terms of afrobeats and um amparano and and the way that that is being taken over by other cultures we're not saying that they shouldn't enjoy it but what they need to do is show homage to it first beforehand and have have a better understanding rather than taking it making it a more commercialized uh, view of what it is you know originally and again those stories are being lost you know the origins of these um, of what we have in our culture is being distorted made up stolen and again we just you know there is no more important time for us to be you know um telling our genuine stories, you know, uh, to those that are, uh, the generations that are following us. It's really important. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, like I was saying before, relating to uh, the promotion of um, of environment that promotes uh, storytelling. And of course, I know that we, we do spend a bit of time there <laughs> on technology. Um, okay, we were specifically on AI uh, just now. Um, now, I think I don't know if it were uh, Andrew before that was making mention of a platform uh, that are available there to share story, or you just made reference to that. Uh, but I don't know, Andrew, if you could say something more about that, but which are platforms that are out there that could sort of help us to better tell our story, uh, to better reach the people. Because, okay, one time we were sitting uh, near the fire like a my story I was saying in the story of Amende, where the people in the village, of course, I'm talking of a very close community. They were coming out in the evening. Uh, the fire is set. Then there is uh, an old man that is telling the story. Of course, this we have um, we have exemplified in many other areas uh, uh, today. Uh, but we are not able to live exactly like that anymore because now times have changed. Uh, we are doing things differently. Uh, we are no longer able to live that specific life, but we can still reenact the situation. So now this way, we have a different platform to help us to tell the same story, but in different ways. So talking of the platform, Andrew, what would you recommend as the effective platform out there to enhance our storytelling? Thank you. I mean, right now, this platform is a best, uh, it's a good platform. Um, our platform, Beauty and the Beast Publishing, and also our upcoming platform, Mark of Nations, is a great platform. And you have other people um, of the Black diaspora who has platforms as well. And I do agree with you with when it comes to the, when it comes to the knowledge and utilizing the knowledge as a tool to better enhance or what we're trying to do. I do, I do highly believe that, but it's just the complacency where I have uh, a mishap with. And when we have this, we have to revolutionize or bookmark these concepts before it's too late. And what I mean by bookmark and revolutionize is, is we have to understand the narrative that is being created right now is pushing us further and further back. It's taking our voice. And it's taken our voices and it's been and it's always been this way they it's always been a situation where when something new comes up 
or a new trend or whatever. It's, it's always a way to shun us away from our voices. And what we have to do, we have to always, when these new concepts come along, we have to revolutionize it. We have to bookmark it. And we have to also keep pushing and create other concepts for the African diaspora to, in order for us to move forward. All right, thank you so much for that. I appreciate that, I really do, I really do. Uh, now, talking of maybe beginners in the community who want to get started in storytelling. Uh, okay, talking of beginners, I want to say that uh, this five-part book series on storytelling uh, is available, they're available on Amazon. There are five books uh, that help you to get started on storytelling, big, starting from the basics to some of the advanced in how to use it in your, in your business. But of course, we start with just what is evil storytelling, uh, some preambles, some instances in our daily life. Because storytelling is something that we do every day. We literally do storytelling every day. Uh, if maybe, for example, you go to work and you return to your house, uh, you are a family person, you are a wife or, a man, uh, or the husband of the house, and you have your kids, they come home, you tell them what has happened. It's almost obligatory that you tell them what has happened because... You, you, are, you are a human being living. You live by sharing experiences. And maybe somebody insulted you at work today, or maybe you got something good in your workplace today, or maybe as you are driving around, along the road, uh, you see somebody that looks, an old friend of yours that you have not seen for years, you started, you started to talk, then you come home and tell your wife or your husband or your children, ah, did you see ah, that old man, that old woman that we met today? All these are stories. With me, we are all actually involved in telling stories in our daily life. And of course, what we are stressing in this five-part book series is to use this consciously, actually to leverage it in our business in a way that we can get something out of our effort. It's not simply cock and bull story. It's not simply just to entertain us. It's not simply just to wire away time, but intentionally designed for a specific objective. And of course, for that, we are going to have to learn it. That is why the book exists. That is why there are many experts out there that are uh, teaching about storytelling. And I repeat, it is fundamental. It is fundamentally important. All right, having said that, I think I will go back to um, Shara. Now, for somebody who wants to get started, either in storytelling or Okay, writing book is also part of storytelling. Just that, okay, this is one aspect. But somebody want to get started in writing. Where do you think that individual should start from? I think they really need to um, think about, um, you know, their reasons as to why they want to get involved. You know, what's the purpose of the writing that they're going to be doing? Um, you know, as we talked about uh, earlier is the fact that the you know the current market is quite um, saturated with the same old same old but there isn't enough of our stories you know to 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 tell all that's being told um with the within the diaspora and i think it's really important that uh, if you are wanting to choose this route uh, for a career for whatever reason i mean a, a book is very important for all of us to have you know as an individual you know as part of your um uh, legacy you know for business for many many uh, reasons um but I, I i really do believe that it's really important that you're sharing your own unique story so that we can learn from those shared experiences um, and that would probably be the best way uh, uh, to get involved in it, to have a real desire and a purpose for your writing. You know, I wrote for many, many years before meeting Andrew, um, and I was never happy with the writing that I was doing because I had no purpose um, for it, you know. Um, but that has all since changed, you know, with the change of direction and the change of mindset. And it was Andrew that uh, got me into writing about our diaspora and um, talking about um, and writing about social uh, restorative justice. So thanks thank for that, so Andrew. <laughs> thank you so much for that, Sherry. And thank you so much, Andrew. We appreciate people that are happy other people to straighten up uh, their line. Um, you know, when we are born, we don't all know everything. We don't all know even what we are supposed to do, but we go in, we keep on trying. But sometimes either we figure it out on our own, which is rarely the case, or we find somebody who help us, who help us to figure it out. So thank you for your effort uh, in, in what you have done for Shara. 
All right. Now, uh, while we are there, Andrew, I want you to help me understand it because I can see that your line is very is, is very strong on the community, and we love that. We love people to care about our community. Now, uh, how can we maybe use storytelling uh, to as a means of education and empowerment and building unity? Most importantly, building unity in the African diaspora community. What do you have to say about that? I would say when it comes to the storytelling being a part of education or educational, I would say it has to be mandatory in every community and every household. I, I, you, I know, and it goes back to when I know I was growing, when I was growing up, you know, in the household where my mom used to say, Hey, be back before dark, you know, or, you know, or else, you know, what is going to happen? You're going to get whooped or whatnot. And when you have, and when you, and you know, that was a form of education of me to discipline myself to be at home at a certain time. And I believe also when it comes to storytelling, it should be a mandatory, uh, it should be mandatory as an educational use in every household. It should be one of those things that where you have to, it's a resolution to knowing not only present day, but also history and also where we're trying to go. And it should be mandatory. And we also, with that being said, it also should be an educational tool to confront certain ideologies and also measure those ideologies to see if it's with within the African diaspora or not. And it should be educational first and foremost and not set on the back burner as like nothing. All right, that's great. Thank you so much for that, Andrew. That is very important. Uh, so, I mean, we, we shouldn't just talk about it. We should do it. We should be the doer, not just the talker. I, I, I love that. And of course, you are doing that within your area in the publishing uh, with, uh, with Shara. So we, 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 we appreciate what you are doing in the community. And of course, that is why we are here, uh, amplify the voice for what we believe is right in our community. Thank you so much for that. And I don't know if Shara want to say something to the effect of how storytelling can help us build a network and connect with other like-minded people, but particularly within the area of profession uh, and to strengthen our cultural heritage within the diaspora community. Is there any way storytelling can help us to do this from your understanding? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's all about, we all have very shared stories and uh, very similar uh, stories and historical, uh, you know, uh, backgrounds and experiences um, coming from, you know, our own diaspora. And we have so much to share, you know, in terms of our history and today, even within business. And I think it's really important that, I mean, I'm looking in the, uh, the, the live uh, event where we are, today and um, reading some of the messages that are coming through and seeing some of these great people as well that are in the chat today and it's really important that you don't just come to these lives and go away and forget about it you know you have to keep up the continuity you know as you know with you know um, when you've been running your businesses it's all about that consistency and dedication you know and where the priorities are and what's important to you and it's a call to action as well how are you showing up you know we will really have to just keep you know, building on these conversations, on these discussions, and we need to take action. It's really, really important. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, I like that one. <laughs> in some of my books that are particularly uh, sort of um, uh, non-fiction books, no? I usually like to end with action in that if you don't take action, nothing will happen. Because, okay, I've just spent some time uh, giving you some knowledge. If after you have read it, and you don't take action, nothing will happen. Because it's actually action that changes something if you take action. If you don't take action, nothing will happen. If, if all of you have listened to what we have discussed here today, and you go home, you don't take action, nothing will happen. Everything is just going to be the same again. <laughs> but if you take action, then something will happen. You must move the needle. So that is very important. Thank you so much for that, uh, Shara. All right, what would be your final thought here, uh, uh, Andrew? Uh, before we get there, I want to really encourage all of us to connect with the people that are in the room, because that is also why we are here. Let's connect, let's share, because there is something you must benefit from the other person that is next to you. It could be in the area of business, it could be in the area of just for sharing idea. So connect with the other people in the room. 
And let's let's make sure that we are continuously in the loop of be of being out there for each other. All right. So, Andrew, what would be your final thought in this conversation? We have come close to the end of the conversation. Please go ahead and do that. I would say my final thought would be let's define our reality in ways where our story takes it puts an impact on not only through the African diaspora, but also throughout other people and also other cultures as well. And to also be a people and a centerpiece for all storytelling and for all storytellers. Thank you so much for that. All right, Shara, it's your turn. Yeah, uh, thanks for that, uh, Obey. I think um, sort of a, a final note for me would be that it's really important that we're all doing our part in this, you know? Um, no one's person's role is more important than the next. We all have to come together as a collective, you know, um, on behalf of the as African diaspora, you know? So let's learn to sort of start taking action, not let's just talk about it. You know, um, in our business, we, work, we walk the talk and we do things with purpose. Um, we're here to create the legacy and to keep the African diaspora alive throughout our generations. You know, it's important that we're all taking that sort of uh, leaf, you know, and um, I think it's really important that we just learn to keep supporting one another and not turning a blind eye to how important this conversation is. Thank you. And that is really fundamental. And what can you do? You can do a lot. There is a plethora of things that you can do out there, at least within the area of storytelling. You could start by telling your own story. I don't know where you are. Maybe you are somewhere in London or in Paris or in Italy like I am. Yeah. I don't know, maybe in Rome or uh, in Washington. Look at other people like you. You could start by just simply documenting their experience like I did here in Italy, for example. Just interview people. What is your story? Let me share something with you. At the end of the, of the story that I collected, I wrote two books from it. Uh, one is the, the Journey Africans in Verona. The second one is The Color of Our Children. In the first book that I, that I did, I put the picture of one of the, of the people that I interviewed who have been here for, I think, for like 40 years or thereabout. Then I went to give this guy a copy of the book. Now, this is what happened. I could see his eye glow. I could see the joy on his face. I could see how happy and satisfied he was. Now, I can really tell you honestly, that is my biggest satisfaction in the entire project. To see that somebody is, perhaps nobody has ever come to interview him, to talk to him, to ask him, why are you here? What is your story? But this time, you can see his name and his picture in the front cover of a book where his story is inside. That for him is powerful and that is my satisfaction. So we could all do this. And guess what? When I sell the book, I'm not giving the money to him. The money belongs to me. It is my job. I reap the reward from it. But I make him feel good. What if we can be doing this in every area where we are? Tell the story of people around you. Help them to... Because you know what will happen? Some of these people that I have interviewed, some of them have already dead. That is the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Some of them are already dead. What if I never interviewed them? It means that their story will not have the chance of being told. At least in the way that I have told them. I'm not saying that the, their story is not told in the family and things like that. But at, not, at least now we have this book. It's available and it's going to be here for very many years. Technology is going to switch our hands. But all the information that we have in the world today are going to be, uh, uh, are going to be gathered together and they're going to be stored. Thousands of years to come, people are going to have access to this information. Can we do ourselves the favor of just making sure that we don't just pass away? That is the importance of storytelling. Please, let's do this. Tell the story of yourself, of your family, of the people that look like you, of the joy, of the suffering, of the comment, everything that you can gather, put it together. And guess what? You don't need to be an expert to do this. Your book doesn't need to come out in, 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 uh, in New York Times. That is not the essence. 
Your book doesn't need to win a war. That is not the essence. The essence is that you do this. And because somebody says something when I was presenting my book in 2010, the book I was talking about before, he says something like this. He said, Peter, okay, I'm also called Peter. Because you have written this book, it has become story. It has become history. And that is true. Because there is nothing you can do to clean that book away from existence. So books or storytelling is powerful. Please, let's continue to do our best to make sure that because of us, people can know about other people like us. Thank you so much. I appreciate your conversation. I appreciate the time and the sharing. Come back again next time. We are always here talking about storytelling and the importance of leveraging storytelling. I appreciate you all. One love.